God speaks words of conviction, of hope, and of blessing. And he speaks over us, church, Rivers Church of Christ, who have come here together today, and it's really exciting to see you all come together today. He speaks the words of conviction, but he speaks the words of hope and blessing over us as his church. We need to hear that same message that Haggai speaks. We need to hear it for us today. The people had returned from captivity, and they had started to rebuild the temple, and uh, King Cyrus of the day had given them uh, stuff to, to build with and money to build with. And then, for some reason, the building of the temple stopped. And it lay in ruins for 16 years after that. And Haggai came along, uh, God bringing him together with Ezra and other prophets. But Haggai came along to bring God's uh, message. And his message to his people was, now it's time to rethink your passions. And I think sometimes God's got to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey guys, now it's time to rethink your passions. It's not a message about building a physical church. It's not about coming into a building program. It's not about having some physical construction project to us. That's not the message for us. And that's not the message I would seek to bring, even though we're voting on extending our stuff. That's not the message that I'd seek to bring today. Israel had come to the point that they, had, that they had not harvested enough food. For you see, this was about August and its exact dating in this book. Harvest happened about May or June and now the harvest wasn't good enough and, and they were in drought. And, and Haggai comes to bring this message that there, is, there was a drought. The temple laid in ruins and there was a reminder to the people which is a reminder to the people that temple in ruins that the city had been invaded. It had been sacked or ransacked and it had been, the house of God had been plundered. Times were tough for these people and they were having difficulty just making ends meet because the harvest was bad, the drought was there, the temple was in ruins. Life seemed pretty poor and it was. They weren't days of ease and luxury. They weren't days of, of everything uh, going very well and very prosperous. They weren't saying that to themselves, oh, now's the time that we've got to build a house of God. No. They were hardly able to make their own ends meet, let alone building the temple. And God wants to tell them of his, con of his concerns whilst revealing their concerns at the same time. You see, my friends, our passions are revealed by the things which we concern ourselves with. I'll say that again. Our passions are revealed by the things that we concern ourselves with. Your affections are revealed by the things you focus your life on most. We can come on Sundays... And we can come today, sitting outside, and this is the very first time that we've had a combined service of the night and morning services at Rivers, and thanks for doing this, and thanks for coming and sitting in the sun. I won't hold you up too long. But we can come to church on Sundays. We can worship, we can pray, we can sing. We can do all of that and yet be a person who's not passionate for God. We can. You see, Israel was mainly concerned with self. They were concerned with their own survival. They were concerned with what wasn't going on for them. 
They were concerned with just their own things. God understood their concerns. He understood what was going on for them. And he calls them to consider the condition. For it says in verses 5 and 7 in, in uh, the ESV translation in the King James and stuff and some others, it says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider who you are. Consider where you're at. Consider your condition. What are these ways? What did he say these ways were? He said, you're in panelled houses. And I forget what the NIV says. Uh, if anybody's got it, you can shout it out. But they were concerned with being living in panelled houses. God wasn't worried about them having a good home. They, he didn't worry that they had a rich home or a really lovely home. He wasn't, he wasn't that hung up on that. But what God is saying is if your home takes precedence in your life above God, then you're in sin. If your house, if your belongings, if anything that you live in takes precedent above God in your life, then you're in sin. They had devoted themselves to building very nice homes in preference to honouring God. This is a principle that came through their law, that they honour God first before everything else. And it's a principle that came out in the teachings of Jesus when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of those other things will be added unto you. Verse 9, where it says, where it says, because of my house which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. You're too busy running off to Bunnings. I love Bunnings. It's my favourite shop. But you're too busy running off to Bunnings and getting the stuff that you need to repair and build your own house than you are in God's house. Or than you are being with God's people, pursuing God's interests. And I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm saying being with God's people, pursuing God's purposes. Being God's people in our world. Being God's people bringing the love of Christ and the light of Christ and the salt into our earth, into the people who are living in darkness. People who are crying out for love, crying out because their lives are falling to bits, because they're in desperate need. They need some answers. And we've got those. But he's saying to the people, you're far more interested in bunnings. You're far more interested in your own house than you are about being with the people of God, pursuing his purposes. They reveal their passions by revealing what they devoted themselves to. I wonder if there is a test on each of our lives today when we reveal what we are devoted to because that reveals our passions. It is right that God's purposes lie on... It, is it right that God's purposes lie unattended to when we go about building our own empires, protecting our own businesses, protecting our own home interests? He says to the people, consider your ways. You set your hearts upon paths in your paths and in so doing, you must focus on the issue at hand. We understand that when we're in a tough time, we focus on the issue that is at hand. 
set, but he said, you've set your heart on your own ways. The ways that God has asked his people to set their hearts have a direct impact, though, on how our relationships are with him. If we set our focus completely on the things that we need to do, like our panelled houses or, or just uh, our own possessions and our own selves and our own needs and our own wants, that is a reflection on the relationship that we have with God. I want to challenge each of us today as his church, what is our relationship with God like? What are our passions? Where are our devotions? Where are our, where are our concerns? And that's what Haggai is saying to the nation. Where are your concerns? They're certainly not in building the house. The ways that God has asked his people have that direct impact on their relationship with him. We read in Deuteronomy in the law that God promises his people blessings and cursings. He says that we get to choose. Whatever we set our hearts on will determine blessing or it will determine cursing. Our choices determine our experiences. Our choices determine our experiences. Looking at verse 6 in this reading, it says, You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but not, are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Consider your ways. You see, the things that people chase after the most, food and shelter and pleasure and comfort, all these things, all these things which people go so hard after are promised, are promised in, in God's provision for us if we walk in his ways, if we seek his kingdom first if we cry out after his presence first, if we say, God, you're first in my life, I'll do it just for you. I'll live just for you. Everything that I do, everything that I think, everything that I say, everywhere that I go, I'll do it just for you. God says, set your heart upon his path, for in his path is his greatest fulfillment. Are you in your own personal drought? Are you in a place where you think times are tough or dry? In Australia, just in the last couple of weeks, we heard the results of the 2016 census. And it was revealed that those who would call themselves Christian, and whatever that looks like, it just names themselves Christian, is 52% of our population. 50 years ago, it was 88%. And it's, it's slid 36% in those 50 years to 52%. I wonder if this message of Haggai is to the Australian Christian Church. I wonder if this message of Haggai is to us personally, where Christian churches or the Christian church is in decline, and I'm not talking about institutionalised church, but people who name the name of Christ as the one they follow as a Christian in the midst of calling his people to set their hearts on their paths, he calls them to go to the mountains to gather wood. Do it for me. He wants people today, does he want us to go up to Mount Me and cut down a few trees so we can come and build a building? No. 
you're nodding, Lynn. He doesn't want us to go and, and physically cut wood, but what he's saying is to us is he wants us to seek his presence. And you see, what happened was that the temple in those days was the symbol and the open show of the presence of God in their community. And so therefore, he's saying, I want my presence to be with you. I am saying, seek after my presence. For the temple was where the presence of God dwelt. He doesn't dwell with us in the same way, obviously, now, because the Bible says that we are the temple. It's us. If we look in, in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 6, about verse 9, that he's saying that you are the temple. You are the temple of the living God. This thing, this building thing that we, we uh, want to extend and do stuff with, that's not the temple, that's just a building. We are the temple of God. When the, when the church has, come, has become so wrapped up in self or has become so wrapped up in organisation or institution, it's the building that becomes the temple again. But he is here to remind us that his temple is his presence and he's asking us to seek after his presence. For the temple in those days was a place where people would bring sacrifice they would come for to be purified. They would come in prayer. They would come in faith. They would come with devotion. And the temple was the constant visible reminder that God was with them. I wonder what it's like in Australian society today or any other Western society. Is the presence of the church of Jesus Christ the visible manifestation or the visible evidence of God's presence in the community? And I think that's what God calls us to be. His visible presence in the community. See, God takes pleasure in his people when they seek his presence. Do it just for me. God delights in you when you come with the, with, with the heart to be in his presence. Oh, God, all I want is to be in your presence. All I want is to be with you. All I want is to be surrounded by you. All I want is you. When is the last time that we cry out? And I know that lots of you do, but when's the last time that we cry out, Oh God, all I want is you. Because out of that presence comes your reality to other people. Do it just for me. God says, restore my house and he will bless it. When we don't build his house and it lies in ruins, it is a testimony to the world that God has no power and that Christ has no effect. It was a testimony in their society, in Haggai's society, that God had left and his presence wasn't there. Is it the testimony in our society when, when uh, the church dwindles that that's the evidence to the people outside or they would contend that that was the evidence that God's presence has no power, that God isn't real. And we are challenged today and convicted today to come to that place of saying, God, build your house in me. Build your house with us. Build your house with your people. Build your house with Rivers Church of Christ. Build your house by causing rivers to be that influence in a community and making it different and bringing the presence of God. See, God is most glorified when we make him our supreme treasure, 
when, when we live to him and for him and when we devote ourselves to his passions and his purposes. God wanted the people of Haggai's day to make him the supreme affection of their lives. He was tired of seeing them run to Bunnings. He was, he, he, nothing wrong with Bunnings. I love Bunnings. But he was tired of seeing them do the house improvement supplies when there was greater purposes for them to pursue. You were not created to build an earthly empire. You were not created just to go to work and bring home wages and erect houses and take more holidays. You were created to pursue eternally significant things. His passion is to be our central and supreme passion. And their response was this in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, if that's how you say it, where is L? Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josedek, I got your disease now. Son of Josedek, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. We have a choice to act today. We have a choice as we gather together as his church. We have a choice to act. Obey his word. He lifts the drought. Don't obey his word. The, the drought stays. And the word drought means desolation. The desolation will come spiritually if we turn our back toward him. But he says, turn your face toward me. Do it for me. Just do it for me. And I will bless you. And is there a promise of earthly blessing in God? Yes. Is there a promise that if we give 10 bucks, he'll give us 100,000 back? No. But there is a promise of, of earthly blessing. There is. God is in the business of re restoring people's lives. He's in the business of blessing nations. But the response that he is looking for is in verse 12, that they obeyed the voice of their God and they, the people feared him. They obeyed and they feared they saw God as the one who can release the blessings or hold them back. And he is. So what's God's promise in verse 13? Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. What, a gra what greater promise can there be that God says to us, I am with you. I am with you every step of the way. God will never abandon us, but people choose to abandon him. Let's choose him over everything else. And so what did God do with them in verse 14? So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest, and the, pr the spirit of uh, the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Rivers Church of Christ, we stand on the line of decision. Whom will we serve? Who will we follow? Whose presence will we pursue? When the Australian community is saying we are walking away from God, what is our responsibility to bring the presence of God into our community? For we are these temple. 
we are his presence. We are, not that we are God's, but it is in us that he dwells. And it's through us that he brings his presence into community. To build a church name? No. To build a name Rivers Church of Christ? No. But to highlight and make famous the name of Jesus. God, what are your kingdom purposes for us here? My friends, the temptation as we grow older is always to return to the experience success that we've had in the past. As I grow older, I recognize that and you tend to become a little nostalgic. You tend to look back and say, oh, they, they were good days then. I remember the good old days. My friends, we still need to have a first century message, but with a 2017 worldview. To see 2017 for what it is. For 50 years ago, when there were 88% of Christians, the world was a different place. It's a different place today. And I am calling you out today, Rivers. I'm calling you out to seek the presence of God. And to help us to do that, I want to uh, just ask for a... I won't ask the uh, over 55s to, uh, or 35s to raise their hands because it might be a bit of trouble. Or to stand up, it might be a bit of trouble to just ask you to raise your hands. Those who are over the age of 35, would you like to raise your hand? Just raise your hand. All the under 35s, just, just keep your hands raised. Have a look around. Just under 35s, look around at these people. Here are people who have served God for many years. If we were to take, have a look at them. If we were to take account of all of the years served, serving God in amongst this, we'd be in the thousands of years. Have a look at them. I'm calling you out over 35s. Our, our temptation is to say to the young under 35s, come back our way, come back our way. Come and do it the way we've always done it because that's the way we like to do it. I'm calling you out not to do that anymore. For today is a different day. And I want the, uh, the under 35s to stand up because you've got younger legs. All the under 35s stand up. I've got special dispensation. Have a look over 35s. Have a look at these people who are standing here today. Look in them that these are, the, these are the young people that God is calling to bring his presence. You are called to bring his presence. Look at these ones who God has called into this place who are loving God with all of their hearts, who are walking the journeys that we have walked, but are doing things differently. And I'm calling you older Folks, over the age of, even so, you might think you're not old, but over the age of 35, I'm calling you to come alongside of these people, to lift them up, to give them permission, to send them on their way and get them going for Jesus. Don't call them back to your own ways, your old ways. Don't call them back in tradition. Don't call them back into that place where you think is best because that day is not here. This is the day that God has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm calling you, under 35s, to rise up. To rise up and bring the presence of God with you. And to seek the presence of God and chase after him. And bring it into the church. And bring it into the community. And listen. See all of these 
older folks, the over 35s, these are the ones that are there to give you wisdom. They're there to give you help in your life skills. They're there to mentor you. They're there to give into your life. Rivers Church of Christ, we're here on a day that we join together and God says to us, I am going to do a new thing in you. This is a new day. I'm going to do a new thing in you that will affect the whole community and that will touch many lives and that will bring people to the foot of the cross by feeding them, by loving them, by under, undergirding them, by being there with them and by supporting them. I commission you all and call you out. He has made it his pleasure to dwell in you and he is simply saying, find in me all that will satisfy you. Live just for him. Let's pray. You can sit down if you like. Father, we hear this word of Haggai and we hear your word. We hear your message and we gather before you together as your church. From the youngest to the oldest, we gather here as one. We gather here as one in the name of Jesus. We gather here because we want to seek your presence. As we take communion this morning, Father, we commit our lives afresh to you. For you are the one in whom we live and dwell, uh, live and move and have our being. Let your presence dwell richly with your church and cause it to rise up and not be comfortable anymore and not to lay back and think that it's okay, God will take care of it. But you are calling us to build your house, to seek your presence and to be your people. 